Welcome to episode two of the Lodges podcast. In this episode, I talk about our experience at the Fortnite World Cup and the FaZe Clan meet and greet. Hey guys, this is the Lodges podcast. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez, founder of Lodges Financial, a premier business management firm for esport players and video game streamers. In this episode, we're gonna go ahead and kind of elaborate on our World Cup experience. Um, we had the opportunity to, to go to the Cup in July. It was a, an incredible experience. A lot of things to take away from the event. Um, for me personally, it was my first esports event, so I didn't have much to compare it to, but um, from everything I've seen on social media uh, and other videos or whatever it might be, it was it was a pretty great event. So I kind of just want to take you through the weekend from start to finish, talk about some takeaways I had, talk about some things that I really enjoyed and liked while we were at the Cup, and then some things that... I didn't like or, or I think could use improvement in, in future years. So to just jump right into it, Friday morning, we started out our morning in New York City at the Phase meet and greet. So we arrived there at about 10 o'clock a.m., the meet and greet, which was originally or published or when you looked on social media, Phase had originally said it was going to be a meet and greet and a pop-up it eventually just ended up becoming a pop-up shop because what happened was there was so many people there um, that I think they advertised it as both and then they realized that they couldn't do it. So we got there at 10, 10 o'clock a.m., um, 9.45, 10, somewhere in between that window, and we quickly realized, as I was afraid, that the amount of people out there was just ridiculous. I had seen the post that FaZe had the night before of people camping out uh, to get ready for the next morning because they wanted to be first in line on Friday morning to see everybody. And so the second I saw that and how much it was being advertised, I had an idea. It was going to be pretty wild. However, I don't know that many people really could have thought of it to be as crazy as it actually was. So we got there and the line to get to the doors was probably wrapped around four to five or six blocks of people. I mean, the amount of fans, they basically shut down the streets for, there was a few restaurants and a few regular retail stores there for those retail stores. They were probably wondering what in the world was going on because there was so many people there. Um, it was crazy when we got there in the morning, I mean, we just walked around a block, thought that would be the end of the line, then we realized the line kept going. Um, so by the time we got there, there was no shot that, that we were gonna get in, but since we didn't know this at the time, we didn't know how things were gonna play out, we already had made the effort to get there, we were like, all right, let's just stay in line. So we ended up probably staying there until 11.30ish, 11.45, just to watch the chaos break out and honestly, even though we were not able to get into the actual pop-up shop and the meet and greet, to just be in line and to see this all unfold. Um, so when we were standing there in line, um, finally the players got there. They were announced to get there at 10.30. I think they probably didn't get there until about 10.45 a.m. The, 
the chaos that was caused when they pulled up on their in their shuttles or their buses, whatever you want to call it. You had kids running down the streets from all sorts of the line. People that were in the back of the line just kind of gave up the fact they were the back of the line. And even if they were going to get in trouble for running up to get a better look, they went for it. Um, it, We talked to one of the security guards that was helping with trying to keep things in order. And we asked him if he was a part of phase, um, you know, just, you know, a common general employee or if he was hired security, we found out he was hired security and we only counted five to six people that they had working the event for security. So I don't even think that phase really pictured it being as crazy as it was, which obviously is great for them, but it was chaos trying to see these five to six security guards control this crowd. I mean, there was probably well over a thousand people there, um, wrapped around blocks, just trying to get as much as a best angle that they could to see the players. So when the players pulled up, all chaos broke loose. Um, and finally more cops were pulled in to kind of block off the premises to add a little bit more security for the players because things truthfully were getting out of hand. I mean, you would have thought that LeBron James was in that store signing shoes. It was, it was crazy. The reaction they got, um, so anyways, that was the phase meet and greet experience. It was incredible. We, we got a lot of cool videos from that. One of them is posted on the most recent Instagram uh, post. So if you go to our Instagram, which is lodges underscore financial and lodges is L-O-D-G-Z underscore financial. Our most recent post is kind of a video of what we experienced in New York City. So go check that out if you haven't already. But you'll see our, one of our first clips is from the phase meet and greet, just what the city view kind of was like or the street view. So anyways, we stayed there till about 1130 AM and realized that nothing more was really going to happen other than more mass chaos was going to break out. So we made our way over to the Fortnite world cup, um, which was over there in Flushing, New York. So we had to take about a 45 minute to an hour cab ride and so the pro AM and the creative events were Friday. So it was a bit more, we got there around 2 PM on Friday afternoon. It was, once you got through the whole weekend, you realize it was definitely one of the more quieter days of the event. Um, not as many people. I think a lot of players too, because of the phase meet and greet or because of whatever was going on in the players schedule, there wasn't all that players there yet either. But, um, Friday was slow. It was, you know, walking into the stadium though was extremely cool. You know, they had good security at the event. The check-in process was very quick. Um, to get your badge, to get your little bag with all the goodies in it was very easy. Um, the concession stands were accessible. The events and games they had put on were extremely cool. Um, we shared some of those on Instagram, you know, they had, you could be the ballers and roll around the ballers like you're in the game. Um, they had a zip line, they had meet characters. I mean, they had everything. It was a full blown Fortnite convention, basically, um, a very cool experience. But so Friday was the creative and the pro am. I will say that the one thing about Friday that was a bit disappointing is they got extremely behind on schedule and, um, I believe the pro AM was supposed to start around four or four thirty was the originally planned time. And then they changed it to, I guess, try to make it look like they really hadn't got that far behind. But if you looked at the original schedule, I believe it was four or four thirty. 
the Pro-Am didn't actually start until 6.45-7. So that was a bit frustrating just because the creative mode was cool. And obviously that's a growing space and it's becoming more popular and fun for players to do that. But they had too many rounds and too many games were played. Um, It extended way too far in my opinion. If you looked around the crowd, kids looked bored, parents looked bored. I mean, there was no energy in the arena, you know, come 536, because everyone, I think, was really excited to see the Pro-Am, because you had all your favorite streamers and all that playing, not that the creative didn't have that, Um, but, you know, the Pro-Am is fun to watch, so that was the only disappointment, but the creative was cool for the first few times we saw it. Um, The Pro-Am was extremely cool, you know, getting to see those top-name streamers get to play with some... um, with some celebrities or with some influencers, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was fun. And so it was a good event on, on Friday. They gave around, they, $3 million was given in donations for the Pro-Am, I believe, to, to charity. And then there was money given in creative as well as money won in creative. So it was a great event or a great day for the event. Um, and we got to meet a few players. I met Destroy, for example, on Friday. Um, so I got to see him in person. That was cool. Um, I met some of the 100 Thieves guys in person. I met some FaZe players in person. And so it was definitely a more relaxed day, but it was a good experience. Saturday, however, once the Duos Championship started, that was a whole different experience. Um, the atmosphere in the arena was obviously a lot more intense because you're watching actual gameplay now um, for the big for the big prize money, obviously. Um, A lot more, I think, too, because it was a Saturday. Families were able to bring their kids out more. And so there was definitely more people. Um, I will say, before I get any further, one of the coolest things that, I mean, obviously the event, like I've explained, was just incredible. But one of the really cool things that Epic did, and it shows their creativity and attention to detail, is that for all the players that were playing, when so if you were sitting in the stands watching um every player had a face cam and that face cam then they had a screen on the outside where you could see their face and so say they were drinking a slurp or taking a med kit um or drinking a big pot when they would drink it their front face camera which would have a screen on the outside so the audience could see it actually changed from their face cam to them drinking the slurp or them drinking the small potion. And so that was extremely cool. Same thing if they were eliminated from the game. They had a red light go off behind them and their face cam would basically turn off. And it was actually like a cabana window, you know, to keep it kind of looking like Fortnite. And the cabana window was open as long as they were alive so you could see their face cam. And then when they were eliminated, the cabana window would close. So you could see just who was alive by your view in the audience. And so that was very cool, very good attention to detail. Um, So the event Saturday, things definitely ramped up. We still met a lot of people. Um, It it was a great time to, to see that event, to see it live in person. The lights were great. The special effects were great. Um, The game times were faster. There wasn't, um, they didn't take too many breaks in between the games. I think it was every two or three games they took a break. So that was good because on Friday, that was another thing. They kept taking these really long breaks on Friday. But 
Saturday they had to speed it up, obviously. Um, so we really enjoyed that. And Saturday and Sunday were basically the same thing, you know. Saturday was the duos, Sunday was the solos. Still the same kind of atmosphere. Um, we met so many people. For example, I met Nade Shot, CEO of 100 Thieves. I met Lee Trink, CEO of FaZe Clan. Um, I met countless players. I met some of the um, the popular Fortnite announcers. So I think that was the best thing about the event was the openness and the access that you had to the players, to people within the organizations, to people within Fortnite, um, you know, such as the announcers. It was very much a community event. I love that you were able to just go up and meet the players, take a quick picture with them, say hello. Um, that was extremely cool, especially for a lot of these guys that I've been watching for over a year. Um, you know, obviously I was there a little bit more on business, but it, as from the fan point of view, is definitely, definitely cool. Um, so we've talked about the effects on stage. We've talked about the activity surrounding the stadium, the access to players, meeting other people within the organization. Um, one thing that I did want to point out. So those were kind of all the positives. The event was amazing. The access to players was very cool. Um, so some negatives I had were the first thing was this. So when we got there on Friday, we were dropped off by an Uber and our Uber was dropped off, obviously where the Uber drop off point is located. So they have to drop us off there. So it wasn't on Uber's fault, but where they were dropping us off was actually where buses and the players were entering through. So we found out that you could only get dropped off there for the Uber. And once you got dropped off, you had to take about a 20 to 25 minute walk around the entire stadium in order to get to the actual entrance of the stadium. Um, there were even some entrances on the side along your way to that main entrance that they were using for exit purposes only. And so I really thought that could have been done better because especially if you've got little kids to walk 25 minutes every time, you know, parking was different, but say you're an Uber and there was a lot of people getting picked up and dropped off at these Uber spots. So that was a bit frustrating to have to walk 20 to 25 minutes. Um, and then the only other thing was the stadium, there was definitely a lot in attendance, but at one point I think they announced that there was 18,000 people in the stadium. And I believe the capacity to that stadium, if you Google it, I don't know what the actual capacity is, but if you Google it, I believe it was around 24,000 people. Now, there was a lot of people there and there was probably 18,000 unique people, you know, that walked in that day, but there was no shot that there was 18,000 people in the actual stadium on Sunday when they announced that. Now, I'm not taking that as a shot or to be negative, but just to put it into perspective, um, you know, I want to be authentic on this podcast. Lodges, one of the big things is about being authentic. So for those of you that weren't there, you know, camera angles were taken very specifically. Things were done by the videography very specifically to make it look, I think, a little bit more packed than it actually was. Um, but at the same time, the audience reaction was still fun. You know, end games were really fun on Saturday and Sunday. The crowd really got into it. People were yelling. People were cheering. Um, it was very cool to see, for example, FaZe Dubs had his whole family there or what looked like his whole family because he had about 20 people come every single or those days to see him and to see the reaction from his family supporting him, cheering him. It was amazing. Um, so there was definitely reactions from the crowd. Um, 
But anyways, that kind of wraps up what I wanted to cover on our experience um, for both the phase meet and greet to the actual Fortnite World Cup experience. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about was the fact that the power of Epic really real quick, and we'll wrap up with this, is I just want to talk real quick about what Epic is doing. So for those of you that do not know, there were zero sponsors at this event. So the whole event was put on by Epic. Um, they hired all the staff. They put on the entire venue. Um, but, you know, their profits last year were two point something billion dollars. So obviously this probably was not difficult for them. Um, but it's a power play by Epic um, to not reach out to anybody else. I'm sure they have sponsors waiting at their doorstep every single day wanting to get in on it. Um, but for me, understanding the business side of it, it was incredible to me that they put on the entire event, that they had zero sponsors, and that it was all done by Epic and Fortnite. Um, and I think that will be the case for a while now. I think that this Fortnite World Cup thing, as long as Epic, which I'm about to get into that part next, stays on track, I think the Fortnite World Cup will become a reoccurring thing every year, as well as all the in-game stuff they've been doing over the past couple of years. Um and I think it'll be bigger and better next year. I think, you know, I had a few negative takes, but you got to keep in mind, this was their first year doing it. And they've got so much to learn and so much they can take away and put into next year. Um, so that being said, season 10 came out right after the World Cup. There's obviously been a lot of negative um, talk surrounding that. And so I do think that Epic needs to be careful that they keep the streamers you know, you want it to be a game for everyone to enjoy. However, I know there's a lot of talk around the Brute and how the end game, there was a lot of changes for Season 10. I do think that Epic needs to keep in mind that while they have all the money and the monopoly right now, there will be another game that comes out eventually or players, you know, big-time streamers, uh, you know, influential people within the Fortnite community. If they are not happy playing the game, the market for Fortnite is going to go down no matter how much money they're giving out because they're able to give out that money now because of all the profits that they've made over the last two years. But if they try to do this whole thing where in my opinion, it's like they're just trying to give a trophy to everybody. And I think that's a big problem within America as a whole is that everyone deserves a trophy. And that looks like, like kind of like the take that Fortnite is doing right now after the, the report I read from yesterday morning. Um, I think they need to be careful because they will have the monopoly right now and they'll have the monopoly for the next couple months. But if a new game comes out or if all the influencers that are playing this, you know, people such as Nick Merckx, Tim the Tatman, Ninja, Lupo, you know, big time names stop playing it, um, it's going to be interesting because they're not going to have the platform they have anymore. They need to realize that this game was also kind of built on the popularity of it. And if it's not popular things will change for them. And so that's kind of my hot take right now on the stance of Epic. I mean, they're dominating. They're doing amazing. Um, their creativity, their attention to detail to me is incredible. Um, I mean, Fortnite personally is probably my favorite game behind Modern Warfare, you know, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I think those are my top two games of all time. So I love the game of Fortnite. I just think there needs to be a little bit um, of caution and how they approach these next couple weeks, these next couple of months, because there is a lot of negative activity going on online and it's not going to make them have, or it's going to give them a bad look. So 
Anyways, guys, this wraps up episode two of the Lodges podcast. Again, to recap, we broke down the phase meet and greet. We broke down the World Cup experience and then my current hot take on where Epic is and where they're headed. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Please follow, subscribe to the podcast. Um, You can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Lodges, L-O-D-G-Z underscore financial. Um, Please go follow us. Look at the content we have on there. And hope you guys are looking forward to episode three.